Hello and welcome to Eve Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about It Chapter 2, mm. which is a sequel to It 1. <laughs> which we saw, which was our sixth ever podcast. Uh-huh. Way back at the start, which I went back and listened to because I'm di- diligent and do my homework. And I'd forgotten we'd seen, really. I, yeah. mean, I had a vague memory that we'd seen it, but I couldn't remember much about it until this one started. Then I did remember everything quite vividly. A summary of the way we felt about the first film was the scares are quite cheap. It's got interesting elements in the story and characterization, but it's not very well put together. Mm. Um, that might be a reasonable way of summing up this one, although I think it's better. I think this one is better. Um, is it also longer? I mean, you yes, know, I'm sure it is. The first one was not. This is nearly three hours. Um, the first one was. First one was 135 minutes, so, so two hours. It was still long. Two hours fifteen. This one's two hours fifty. Yeah. So this is this is much longer, and I think needlessly so. I think a lot of things could have cropped up. I mean, in some ways, the structure was very predictable, right? So you introduced to all of the characters, and then all of them have a quest, and you have to see each as nightmare, and each of them overcoming the quest, and blah blah. Like, you know, it just felt interminable. I think you could have, you you could have done a couple of their quests a bit faster, right? <laughs> Yeah, perhaps. And throughout, I felt there were things that didn't make sense, though to the film's credit, they did at the end. So, for example, you add the very beginning. The film starts with this gay couple holding hands and getting queer bashed and, you know, thrown in the river. And, you know, that's when the clown appears. And and one of them is the film director, the Quebecois film director, Xavier Dolan. Uh, who's very good in it, actually. Yeah, he's but, the one who gets killed. Yeah, but I thought, why, you know, why have a gay couple getting queer bashed? I mean, you know, and kind of, and in this way, and, you know, yeah, like a kind of, um, I mean, in a way, I thought, I had very mixed feelings about the whole thing, you know, so on a way, I thought, well, it's good, you know, but it's kind of good in the way that, you know, showing the the the... You know, in 1970s horror film, you have a sexy woman and, you know, at the very beginning of the film, and she gets stabbed or something, right? Like, so they were using, I thought, the queer couple in a kind of a similar way. So, um, yeah, so I had very mixed feelings. And, and, and actually, maybe other mixed feelings that are not a credit to me, because I thought, duh, how stupid are you? You know, if you hold hands in a little hick town like that, you're inviting getting bashed. You know, but maybe that's very old-fashioned of me because, of course, why shouldn't you have the right to do so? Yeah, but it seemed to me kind of, you know, naive of the dangers involved or something. I kind of, I I didn't like it and I didn't see uh, where it was going. And then kind of at the end, it all made sense, right? So I won't, um, you know. Well, um, let me, I think we'll carry on with this because it's something I want to talk about as well. But let me just quickly say a pre-spoilers idea of what the film is which is it's a sequel to the first it's a sequel to it which mm. was about this group of young kids they're all about 15 years old uh, called the losers club they called themselves that i think um back in the back in 1989 they fought this demon thing called pennywise the clown that could shapeshift it preyed on their fears and they sort of managed to send it away for this mm. 27 years right that's that's the end of the first film in this film, they're adults now, mm. and they're brought back together by one of them who's stuck around in the town and kind of chasing this thing or, or, or tracking it. Um, he brings them back together, and 
they have to they, first of all they reconnect for the first time in 27 years but they also kind of they, they, they face their pasts and they're brought back to the town that kind of made them and the people that made them and all this sort of thing so um, that's sort of before before spoilers. That's that's the crazy. I mean, that's and that's how um, that's how the book works as well. Mm. Though I've not read the book, but but what happens in this film is, um, although it is set in the present day, the past that there are extended flashbacks and, and kind of extensive use of flashbacks that um, that inform what goes on in the present. And then and they're not just yeah. You know, I think one or two of them are clips from the first film, but there's a lot that's kind of original and, and continued mm. storytelling of that first film. I think it's quite I think it's good use of flashback. Um maybe we'll go on to that. But that's that's so that's sort of pre spoiler. Basically the thing comes back, it comes back, and they have to fight it again as adults. That's right. Um that's the plot. We're in spoiler territory now, so let's talk about the gay uh so I think a very clear kind of gay subtext. Yes. Um, um throughout. So basically you know, so I didn't understand why you begin with this preamble with the queer bashing, and then kind of at the end, you're shown that really there's been like a kind of an unrequited love between two of the characters. I, I forget their names. Yeah, I think it's from one character to the other more than between. Well, that's them. what I mean by unrequited. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, Bill Hader plays Richie, and it turns out that he's uh, been harboring this affection, this love. For Eddie, hmm. uh, played by James Ransom in this, and I could kind of see where the film was heading with it. I think, yeah, I think you're going to say like it starts to add up. The film is trying to build to some degree a portrait of homophobia in this small town. Yes. In some of the other flashbacks, you see it again. It's it's again Rick, uh, Rich rather, uh, when he's in the arcade playing I Street Fighter, that, yeah. and you and he's playing with this with this kid, and you kind of get the feeling that he. Well, he has a bit of a crush on this kid, mm. and he wants him to hang out with him. Then the kid's cousin comes in, who's the uh, sort of uh, evil mullet-wearing baddie of mm. the film, um, baddie other than Pennywise, and they call him a faggot and tell him to get out. So it's it's none too subtle. Um, yeah, nothing about this film is subtle. And actually, <laughs> I, I, actually, I think I am disappointed that there wasn't more of a coherent. There wasn't more coherence to that entire aspect of the film. For me, I can sort of see how this guy living in the closet for so many years and still not being able to come out, even as an adult, is realistic. Um, but it felt like an unfinished story. The whole film feels that way to me, right? Because I think what the film does is it provides this kind of basic psychologizing to each of the characters in a way that is extremely crude and to me unpleasant, right? So, of course, you know, Jessica Chastain's character can just be, like, a little girl who grew up and, you know, uh, she, you know, the the film shows you how she was abused by her father and then, like, she's one of an abusive uh, husband and so on and so forth. And it does that with each of the characters and it just feels like almost too crude to me really it's kind of it's, it's like psychologizing by the numbers right mm -hmm. and I hated all of that I hated the psychologizing and I hated the overcoming of it I mean the whole film feels like cheap psychology because basically the message is about how you have to come to terms with the past and you know you're unhappy in the present because 
you're you're not wanting to remember but actually it's like the return of the repressed and these horrible memories are doing not only psychic but physical damage to you so you know you have to come to terms with the past in in a way that enables you to remember the good things about the past and the people and your friends and so on yes you could have a happier healthier life and be more adjusted that seems to me to be the theme of the film really yeah the kind of message overall yeah and it's really I think it has elements of I mean if you think about the way that they defeat Pennywise in the end the way kind of Pennywise operates is by showing them their fears and Mm. he, he thrives on fear and the way that they defeat him in the end is by shouting him down and mocking him and calling it saying you're just a clown you're just mm. a little headless boy and and um, all the stuff that they refer to like a headless boy or, or like the painting from the first one that scared the little kid they're all they're all the fears that that he showed them so they're kind of they're dismissing or mocking their own fears but it it feels um, not terribly thoughtful it's sort of it sort of is to say like just dismiss things also and diminish it not, them it was not nice because you know for a film that claims to be you know as pc and as you know psychological as this one really to have the solution to life's problem is to become a bully like the bully that you i felt suffered from they are bullying is, pennywise at the it's, end yeah, it's not you know the solution to the world's problems so you but know it's about the, it's they shout down their fears as opposed to come to terms with them it's, it does it just doesn't seem it doesn't feel smart it doesn't feel thought out, thought through or intelligent throughout the whole first hour of the film I was thinking what drove Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy to sign up for this cheap thing right because it, to me it really felt cheap yeah um, so and and it felt kind of you know cheap as a Cheap in thought and yeah, not just kind yeah. of you know in, in budget, which it turns out no, it's is, not, is very I, considerable. Budget. I think it's got fantastic production values, as the first one did. Well, I want to talk about those separately, actually, because okay. yeah, I agree with you, you know. Um, but I'm saying that you know because most of those special effects and you know there are set pieces of nightmares and so on, you know, and they're very brilliantly designed, right? Like the monsters are brilliant. And the whole thing has like this surreal aspect, right? Like, you know, an old lady with four mouths. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's very surreal imagery, like really kind of extraordinary, I think. Right. But, you know, you you get most of those halfway through and towards the end. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so So for me, the whole first hour felt cheap. It's kind of, it's doing all this setting up of all of the characters, you know, kind of what brings them together you know, the dangers that they might face in the town, right? And this is all before, like, the challenge that each of them has to overcome to retrieve a piece from the past that will mm. enable them to, you know... Perform this ritual. This ritual, this up. old Indian ritual. Yawn, right? <laughs> so, to me, like, the question is, why are these people involved? Like, these are great actors. In fact, you know, I kind of... Sometimes, you know, when I watch Jessica Chastain, I think... She's like the most luminous presence in American cinema since Julia Roberts. I mean, there's something both beautiful about her and kind of, and just luminous, really. Like, you know, from, from, I mean, she's incredibly pretty, amongst other things. But there's also like a luminosity. I think, I think she's either chosen badly or she's being badly used in American cinema. And, and, you know, this is an example. I mean, why would somebody 
like her, Oscar-nominated, you know, kind of... She was riding a wave a few years ago. Why is she in a, in a film like this, really, that I think, you know, is, is so cheap in terms of its perception of people and the way that it psychologizes? Well... Which is very good now. I think she brings real kind of humanity to it, and I think she's. And, and a, she's great. Yeah, you know, she's fantastic. I, I think she's. She remains. Her character remains the best character as Bev was in the first film, and Bev, the actress who played Bev in the first film, mm. Sophia Lillis, was the best uh, actor in that as well. Mm. Um, and she and she. I think she remains the kind of most most complex character. I think. I think in this film, less complex than the first one. Where she had this uh, uh, abuse by a dad to deal with, and in this, it's a memory, and this kind of quote-unquote current abuse by her husband, husband. is something that shows up at the start and really doesn't pay off. It's just, you, I mean, I, to me, that felt less of a kind of. It felt to me that that the abuse by her husband was less something that informs who she is now, as it's something that's meant to inform, like how being abused by her dad is like a hangover in her life that she hasn't she never got past yeah which is why she kind of fell into another relationship like that I hated that thing with her husband mm. though you know she fights back and she gets out of the house and she leaves her wedding ring you know at the bottom of the stairs and so you know in terms of a particular narratives but they're just cliches that's yeah. the thing about about it there's no point in speculating very much about them because you know they're just cheap tropes right well it's not it's well insofar as why they're being used though i think like, i think that's what that's worth thinking about um i think you're right that they're cliches and they're they're kind of sketches they, they've got these seven characters to uh, to fit in although they kill one of them very early which is a cliche in itself to mm. kind of kill himself in the bathtub and things um uh but you know it, despite the fact that this is a three-hour film nearly they do pair characters down yes. to to kind of um a few basic characteristics which is a little disappointing but I think there are kind of there are joys and, and things that are interesting that come out in their interactions and come out come out through performances well um, I actually I'm not sure about that actually I think there were moments at the beginning you know when they were all together and they were all interacting that I thought oh these these performances are being very badly directed you know um, and I did think in many instances that the children were better um, the, you know, than this cast of adults. I thought uh, Jessica Chastain uh, stood out. I thought whatever his name is, who used to be fat in the original, right? Ben, um, I think, is the character. Yeah, I thought, you know, he was very handsome. Jay and, Ryan. And he was quite good. And I also liked the comedian, the, the, the... Bill Hader. Yeah. The other two, you know, kind of... I thought uh, the guy who was... Uh, 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 you know, a germ of um, yeah, the hypochondriac. The hypochondriac one. James Ransom was a was a very bad performance. I thought James McAvoy was um, pretty much a blank this time around. Didn't yeah, didn't have the, didn't make an impression at all. You no. know, could have been played by anybody really, and he's a fantastic actor normally. So this is just like super bland a performance, and I blame the director because you know we've seen the actor do other things uh, uh, before. Um, and also, who was the the black librarian? The Old Spice guy. The old is that what they he's call from, him? He's, no, he's not. He's from the Old Spice adverts, though. That were really oh, right. good. And that's who he is. Okay. His, um, his name's uh, uh, 
Isaiah Mustafa. Okay. Um, well, he I, thought, I felt he was badly served by the script, to be fair. Because True. he's asked, he's basically asked to sit in this town for 27 years, waiting to give everyone else a phone call and come back in and do some acting. Well, it's true, you know, and I blame the director. So, you know, you can blame the writing and the directing, but that was a bad performance. So actually, you know, I, I, all of this to say that I don't agree that the performances are good. I think some of them are, and some, and, and too many, kind of, are a problem. You know? Well, I meant more that things kind of come out through through the interaction between the characters and I think performances are part of that so that scene early on in the, in the Chinese restaurant when they're kind of um, when they're reunited for the first time in 20 odd years um, it felt although it has to end up leading into a horror scene with kind of hallucinations and whatnot um, up until then it felt um, kind of nicely observed and interesting and kind of authentic how people how how they haven't seen each other in this long, how they've forgotten things, how they kind of fall back into their old patterns. That was a good moment. There were others that were not. So, for example, the final reconciliation of all coming together once they jump into, you know, um, that rock quarry. I mean, please, that was, like, embarrassing. And, which, you know, which bit exactly? When they jump into the quarry at the end of the film and they all hug. Oh, right, sorry, in, in the, the pool, you mean? The, the, the lake? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was like, ugh. You I don't know. know, there was something about that I liked. There was something about ugh. the image. No, no, there was something, there was something about I the... I found it painful, actually. Well, I know, because you were making noises like you always do. Well, so, when, it's, when it's as painful as that, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> there was some... The, the imagery... I get what you mean, and, and I think part of it was that they all... They all um, they've lost uh, uh, Eddie, was it? Bloody character That's names. such a bloody they're all, cliche. They're all the same. Oh. Eddie, they've lost Eddie. Oh. He's died, and so Rich, who uh, was in love with him, kind of takes it worse than the rest. Um, and they all and it's all unspoken still. Like he hasn't come out to them or anything, but he starts crying, and they all go over to him. But and but he's sort of it, it is composed in this kind of interesting, sort of slightly artful sort of way. Where I thought like, it was awful. It's like an a, awful like, composition. You could see the artificiality of it. Actually. Yeah, but I like that. Well, I, I, don't, kind of I, I don't. They're all kind of held on to him, feels, supporting him, and it was like a sort of Renaissance sculpture. N- it's an unimaginative shot. I liked it. Um, and it's an unimaginative composition. It feels false through and through, and the performances are a part of it. Who cares how false it is? Oh, well, I care. I mean, you were just saying before that what you liked was, you know, I liked a certain uh, how, how authentic the interaction was in one thing. Well, I'm pointing out that in this thing, it's it completely was, false through I, and through. It felt artful to me. <laughs> so, so yeah. you know, kind of, you're changing kind of the criteria. No, I'm saying so. this is what I liked about this, and this is what I liked about that. It well. didn't have to be one thing all the way through. I liked that it became this kind of beautiful composition. At this, well, point. I hate the composition, and I hate the interaction between the actors. It feels really false. Okay, you know, and I hate the cutting with each of them like looking at the sky as if you know they've had some kind of you know, a revelation, you know, going to hug each other. I mean, please, it's one of the things I despise about American cinema is that kind of cheap sentimentality, so so cheaply pictorialized. The really. film um, the uh, film does uh, dis- try and disarm such criticisms by having one of the characters, uh, Bill, played by James McAvoy, be this writer, and everyone says, oh, your endings suck. Repeatedly, they keep telling him your endings are rubbish, man. Yes, and and it's as if to say you're not going to like the ending of this. This film we, has we a rubbish ending. 
Right. I mean, it actually ends like three or four times. You think it's never ending, you know, because actually that scene in the quarry, that could have been an end. But no, they have to put everybody back where they were, and then they have to tell you what happened to each of them, and ugh. Right? Mm. So, let me be clear. The only thing that I liked about this film were the set pieces. And actually, what I liked most about them was the design of them, you know, which I thought was just brilliant, really. And it was kind of more brilliantly designed than filmed, right? So, whoever did the monsters and whoever designed, did the set design for those scenes is like a kind of genius, really. Uh, and that's what the film is worth seeing for. I mean, it has absolutely brilliant surrealist imagery in all of those sequences. Mm. Um, no, they are really good. Yeah. And I like the creativity in some of the creature design things, like the, like, like the, um, like the head crab. Yes. You know, head yes. crab with with the arms coming out the edge of its eyes. Yes. Ooh. Yes, that was brilliant. Was great. Um, the old lady was brilliant. Yeah, you, you know the way it. that she grew, and she was she was really so grotesque, but grotesque in such surrealist ways. Really, I thought that was brilliant. There's a cartoony aspect as well. Um, yes. that, that for some of those things, when it was like a head screaming or something, some some of the times felt something felt very very gruesome. Like whenever Pennywise kind of whenever his head sort of grows and he opens his mouth and all these all these teeth come out mm. that's really gruesome and yes. that's genuinely quite scary but then there are other times when it's like the old woman character who kind of grows and has this kind of rictus grin on her face felt very cartoony in yeah. the design and the, wasn't quite as intimidating was more kind of playful the actress who played the old lady was brilliant yeah you she know, was good um, kind of the different ways so it's like you know so she she, she would do some things as an old lady and some things you know, as a zombie controlled by <laughs> the clown, right? And the moments of transference from one to the other state were just really brilliantly kind of acted, I thought. You know, so kind of, that was a pleasure to see. Um, Joan Gregson. Okay. Mrs. Kirsch. Oh, fantastic. And, the, same and sound, the name sounds very familiar. Gregson? Well, yes. well there's, there's Harry Gregson Williams, who's a film composer, but I don't know if... That's the only Gregson I know. Yeah. There were things about the way that the camera moved that I also didn't like, right? So, you know, kind of the camera is very mobile, right? And sometimes it, it's trying to create this effect through motion. And first the camera's moving one way and then it's kind of moving another, you know. But I, I kind of, I didn't understand why it was moving one way or the other, really. You know, it kind of, it felt nice or it felt symmetrical or you know, it gave the impression that things are moving. Yeah, but I didn't like it. Um, there were things in the film that are um, very cinephile. So Peter Bogdanovich and Xavier Dolan are in it. There are uh, um, winks at Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Meg Ryan is constantly referenced. The we Lost get a, Boys. The Lost Boys. We get a poster of You've Got Mail. Uh, um, we see a scene that's like a direct lift from Orson Welles' Lady from Shanghai, the mirror scene. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, um, and, and I think those things are kind of quite fun if you're a cinephile, but I would have found them better if the film were better um, or conceived in another direction, really, because... You know, obviously, kind of all these camera moves must have been thought through, 
right? And so there are obviously rhythms that the film is trying to create, right? But those rhythms could also have had another layer of meaning, right? They could have been more purposeful. They could have expressed something other than just, you know, we're going to create a rhythm here. Mm. So I thought that was very disappointing. Yeah. Uh. Oh, and the other thing that I really love is the guy who played the clown. Oh, Bill Skarsgård. He's fantastic. One of the Skarsgård clan of actors. Um, so I think he's fantastic both as a performance, right? Because you see him with different levels of makeup, right? Um, you see him historically, kind of, you know, and so on. But but And obviously the way that the character has been pictorialized through makeup and special effects and so on, I think it's also absolutely brilliant. So both the actor and the production of this character mesh beautifully and create something really striking and original. And actually something that feels more real or you know, with more heart and emotion than actually any of the you know, actors playing real people are providing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, although I think he's used in a far less... Uh, effective way than it was in the first film because this is one of the things that I said in that first podcast which I'll listen back to is how much um, what a joy it was to see Pennywise interacting with uh, characters and talking with them mm. and I, I maintain that that's always one of the most interesting and entertaining things about a villain is when they're talking not when they're fighting or whatever well that's true yeah. but I think and, I, I do, and he does a lot less of that here he's I, used I mean, less in that way here for instance when they're going on there as you call them quests when they all have to split up and find their tokens which you know when that happens is like an excuse for them each to have their own scary set piece mm. he shows up in them but there isn't an awful lot of interaction and, and, he, and he, he uses sort of corpses and dead people and all sorts of creepy other things are used at the same time to, um, to kind of try and creep out these people um, but that, as I recall in the first one there was, a, there was an awful lot more of actually interacting with the guy and and hearing him speak and although the final fight here does have quite a lot of that it's not it wasn't as much fun basically well I don't know I mean I like that and actually I agree that the best moments are the moments of interaction but I think there were there were many and, and those were to me the best parts of the film I did kind of like that I think for me, one of the problems with Pennywise as a character is that I don't understand how his powers work, when they work, when they don't work. I mean, the logic of all of that escaped me. Yeah, right. the, there's, there's, um, there's this thing about the deadlights. Uh, don't look at the deadlights, which I don't remember being. I don't remember them being referred to in the first film. They show up here as if they, as if. Well, uh, it's um, it's the it's the Old Spice guy. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Um, Mike, the character Mike, who's this one who's stuck around in the town and has learned all this stuff and brings them all back. He's the one who mentions the deadlights. He's the one who's been hanging out with uh, Native Americans, learning this ritual to get rid of them. So he knows all this stuff. Um, but and then we found out it doesn't work, really. Well, yeah, it almost worked. It almost worked, but it doesn't. <laughs> um, but, then, but, but the point is that... So there's a thing about the deadlights. There's this thing about the ritual, which is completely perfunctory, and it's just, I have this artifact... If we blah, 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 we can get it back into the thing and close the lid and then it'll be gone again. So yeah, what these deadlights, these three kind of lights that revolve, like that is its true form and Pennywise is just its sort of earth form. And you go, okay, um, so where does it come from? What does it do? He calls himself the Eater of Planets at one point. You're like, fine. Mm. It, like all of that... It, it's it's asking you. I'm the eater of planets. Fine. Yeah. 
<laughs> the film is kind of because it's so vague and doesn't add up to anything. Like any explanation it gives would be equally unsatisfactory. No, but it's asking you to it, look. At, it's asking you to look at the way it works on these people. Well, that's what's supposed to be interesting. I think in order to be uh, scary, to be properly scary, you know, you need kind of some 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 information like. You know, why can he do all these extraordinary things at some point and then they vanish, you know? I agree. I'm, basically, I'm agreeing with you. Like yeah. saying there, aren't, there aren't enough, there isn't enough of an explanation and it gets to the point where any explanation would be unsatisfactory because they can just make things up as they go along. The thing that really annoyed me, which I noticed, was when they're in that final fight in the, in the, sort of, in the bottom of the well um, and uh, they realise that they have to make him small because uh, Mike says... Oh, it's something that the Native Americans told me. Um, laws of physics say that you have to obey the laws of whatever size you you are. So they say, let's make him small, then we can kill him. Don't know why they still think they can kill him even if he's small, because nothing like that's worked before. Exactly. But but, but it's it's like it's inventing a rule right then. It's not like it's been set up earlier on. They ju- he just says it this one point. Oh, we need to make him small. Oh, okay. I go. I guess I'll go with that then. Well, that's why it's so unsatisfactory. I mean, yeah. I was talking to this. Um, director, this artist, Joaquin Aras, this morning, and, you know, he was saying how um, he was reading Darida and Levinas in relation to the horror film, because he's interested in horror film. And um, Darida and Levinas have this thing about hospitality, you know, and what the rules of hospitality are, and what it means to be a guest, and, you know, kind of things like that. And how he sees that as foundational to every, almost every horror film. Right, mm. kind of, you know, it's like, uh, um, so part of the rules is one of, you know, who is invited in and who transgresses and, yeah, kind of um, safe spaces and safe spaces that people are kind of giving permission to and then transgress or not. Yeah, but the sense of like, mm. kind of these notions of hospitality, of being, you know, a guest or being welcome and unwelcome, right? All of those kind of issues are kind of, you know, he sees as almost kind of rules of horror film. I haven't thought this through properly, but I found it very intriguing. Anyway, this film had no such rules <laughs> of any kind, as far as I could tell. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's worth thinking about, though. Mm. I mean, that kind of that kind of stuff is in there. Like, it's it. The film set a tone that I really liked throughout. I think I think that's one of the successes of the direction, despite the fact that kind of. I think it's true to say that the camera doesn't feel all that purposefully used, for instance, mm. or that some of the performances. Um, are a little lacklustre and feel like the, the characterizations aren't aren't rich enough. Um, there is a there is this this overall tone, you know, of going back home, seeing the town again, being reminded of everything that that, that you. Uh, it, it same sort of. Th- I mean, it's it's hardly original, you know. I mean, something like um, something like The World's End probably did it more successfully. The Edgar Wright film, mm. you know, which is about fighting your kind of demons from the past in a similar way, mm. um, but. But I like I like the kind of I like that you could feel the pain that all the characters were carrying with them. Ugh, I thought it was all phony. Well, then I guess that's just a difference of opinion. <laughs> it did not get to me, that's for sure. <laughs> schmaltzy glass. Not, it's not schmaltzy. It is. It's not schmaltzy. Just because I like something you didn't doesn't doesn't mean it's schmaltzy. Well, I mean, I thought early on, I thought, wow, this is actually quite hard. Like you start off with this scene of, of homophobic 
a, a, a hate crime guy getting beaten up and then thrown into a river. And then he gets killed. I mean, I thought at one point, I thought right at the start when it was obvious that they were going to beat this guy up, or these two guys up, I thought, does Pennywise come in and eat the baddies? And does he become like a weird sort of saviour? And I was like, no, actually, the guy, he, the gay guy just dies as well. Like, that was really, yeah. it was harsh. And then, um, then you move on to sort the of domestic abuse. violence. And and suicide in the bathtub. I know, I know, but those are all just cliches. But I you thought, know. you know, it's a lot harder than, than than I kind of expected. I mean, I, um, you know, it's like it's not like I was expecting it to be a tame film, but it was it was heading for three sort of, despite okay, maybe doing them through cliche and through sketch, but it it headed for these three kind of, um, really s- sort of sensitive areas or areas or areas that could be if not if not well handled, could be ridiculously sort of off kilter and out of touch and offensive um, well um, and I think I think mainly got away with them and actually built some built sorry, built built an idea of trauma out of it well he got away with them but they weren't well handled and part of the reason that he got away with them is because he interlaced them with humour though you know I could imagine screenwriters in a room thinking oh wouldn't it be brilliant if the way of bringing all these people together is a suicide you think he interlaced them with humour yes when you're being introduced to the characters, that whole sequence with the wife and the guy in the car is played the, for laughs. The wife and the guy in the car. Yeah, the wife Who's bullying the, the 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 guy who um, needed to use the uh, breathalyzer. Oh right, yeah. Well, I, yes, that's true. Um, no, but I was I was thinking I was thinking specifically there about the suicide scene and the domestic abuse scene and the and the homophobic attack at the start. I know, but nothing funny about those. Well, no, but he is interlacing those with the others, which are funny. So it kind of... That's how he's managing the tone. Maybe. The first one wasn't interlaced or anything. That was a cold open. I mean... The, yes, the um, pre-credits... Was it the pre-credits sequence? Yeah. That's actually quite a lot pre-title, wasn't there? Um, yeah. But that was, so, that was the opening... Uh, but then you go through each of the characters, mm. and some, like the stand-up comedian, and the yeah, guy so. being bullied by the wife, you know... Uh, are meant to be funny and then you know the architect one yeah I mean I don't know if the humour worked but I think there was was, yeah that was kind of neither one thing nor the other it wasn't horrifying it wasn't quite funny so it had a humorous aspect right when he's revealed you know to be kind of to be wearing almost nothing just just a shirt well he's wearing jeans or something or shorts he's wearing he's wearing weird jeans that cut off at the you know at the um, shin at the shin um, but you know the thing of, of overhearing the conversation of kind of talking about the design I mean there's meant to be a level of humor in that yeah um, so so I think that's the way he's I mean it would have been horrible if it was like just relentlessly one horrible thing after another I don't think that's the way it is yeah no I, I didn't uh, get what you meant I thought you meant that those scenes in, in themselves had humorous aspects no yeah which they don't um, um and thank God, really, because, you know, I don't think I could have taken it. Uh, <laughs> you know, not just because of the subject matter and what you're being shown, but actually the brutishness with which you it's, it's being dramatized for you, really. Yeah. I mean, I did find that scene with Jessica Chastain, you know, and the husband just unbearable. But I think ultimately, I, I think it does, it does build this nice idea. Or, let's say nice. It, it builds this idea nicely about... Um, the, the trauma that these people are carrying. Um, the thing that I don't like, what it does with it ultimately, is it says to to handle your trauma, shout it down, dismiss it, forget it. Mm. I 
I, I just that's what that's what is kind of seems so thoughtless stupid to me about the entire thing I thought the whole thing was stupid you know just forget the bad bits remember the good bits okay Mm. that's nice and simple (laughs) I know well that's what I mean that it's stupid you know it's like kind of you know somebody who's read a few self-help books really and the whole film is done you know through that kind of understanding of what it is to be human of friendship of love of the past and the present it's all stupid yeah and then, and then you end, you end up with this thing of how they they look at themselves in the uh, in the reflection in the shop window, and they're their kids selves again, right at the very end of the film. Yes. And um, and you go, yeah, we're we're still we're still the same people. We haven't changed. And you're like, I don't know what this is meant to mean now. Yeah. You know, were they great people back then? Is it? Well, like I think what it's meant never... to mean is that it was lovely to be young then, and it was like a lovely place, and it was sunlit, and it was youth. And there's something reassuring so about you... not having changed too much. Or... Yeah. Well, also you're meant to remember the good bits, yeah. not just the horror. Um, yeah, but... yeah, that is it, isn't it? So funny. I think it's the equivalent of this Buddhist thing of being thankful or something, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I am. <laughs> <laughs> but not when it's so dumbly like kind of dramatized really it's kind of it's uh, it's annoying to me because like the film does have brilliant moments I kind of I want to underline those the you know the way that those set pieces look you know the way that they've been conceptualized the way they've been executed I mean I think you know whoever did that were are like extraordinary artists and it's a thrill to see you know, such surrealist imagery, like mm. so alive, and it is kind of scary, but also it's, it's just incredibly striking. It's kind of it makes an impression because, you know, of the way that it distorts your way of seeing something like that, right? Like, yeah, it's it's know. it's less it's less scary than disturbing imagery. Yeah, you, know, um, you can look at it. It's not it's, like you have to look away from it. You can it, look at it and go, oh, it's disturbing and it's funny. You know, I mean, you could see that this kind of like an unconscious set loose, right? Mm. And it's also that surrealist thing of collaging different elements, right? You know, so an old lady, but she's a giant now, and she's got four sets of teeth, right? Yeah, it's kind of a yeah, collage <laughs> of different elements that go into the makeup of this monster. I love that, and I think, it, and I think the film is brilliant. But really, like, I think it's a very bad screenplay, and I think it's kind of... Um, I wouldn't say they're stupid ideas because, you know, I mean, those are ideas that I think are, are, those are dilemmas that are concerned to all of us, but they're dramatized in a kind of a very brutish um, fashion without much understanding and without much fun. Hmm. I, um, I like the way that, I like the, the effect of when, Pennywise is looking at the camera and the, the sides of the screen shake and distort. Yes. That's a fun effect. Yes. There are quite a lot of those. I mean, I That's think... A, a lot of strobing as well, which you noticed on the on the front door of the screen, there was a sign up saying there's strobing effects in this. If you have epilepsy... Leave. <laughs> it says something really stupid, like, uh, to, Actually, those, to those who are affected by strobe lighting, take any necessary action uh, like, what does that mean it was super <laughs> it was really stupid. dismissive so the, but, there, but to be fair fair warning there is a lot of strobing all customers especially those who are particularly sensitive to flickering strobe light sources 
are advised that some scenes in this film, IT, Chapter 2, contain strobe light effects. Those who may be affected should take appropriate action. Now, what might that be? Yeah. Hanging from the ceiling. Right? Like, <laughs> actually. But it's, of, a good, it's a good thing to warn people about because it is stroby as hell. Yes, you know, which I really like. I think we've um, we've bowed down to the epileptic lobby for far too long. <laughs> <laughs> we need more films with strobe lighting. Okay, I think we better wrap this up. Huh? Yeah. So, um, would you recommend it? No, no, not really. I couldn't really. I mean, I would say like it, it'd be, it when when it's on sort of streaming services or whatever, it's worth skipping through to the bits where there's really cool visual effects. Yes. Because they're fantastic to look at, as you say. Yes. There's loads of really brilliant lighting and design and, and that, that sort of thing. And just create imagination in the in the designs, as there was in the first film. Um, and it's just a thrill to see some of those things. Like, whenever whenever Pennywise sort of opens his mouth and gets big and stuff, it's like it's just a thrill to look at that creepy stuff. Yes, I agree. But it doesn't uh, And it has humour. Like, you know, people in the theater were laughing like the 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 thing with the dog oh yeah, the, yeah that was a great joke uh, so yeah. it, you know it it uh it, it has kind of jokes that work but it's also almost three hours long right and to me it it didn't quite feel like three hours long so to be fair to the film but there was a I, I, it reached a point where i thought oh my god this is long right kind of ugh, i would just you know, wish it was over, really. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't quite my experience. I, I could tell it was long, and I could tell that, like, there was more to come. Mm. Uh, but it's, I don't know, I didn't, it's because I didn't know how long to expect it to be. Yes, so, I, like, I didn't either. So, like, I uh. felt sort of, this, this has to have been on for two hours now. Yes. I wonder where else there is to go. God, I thought, it's never ending. And actually, particularly when I got to the ending, I thought... This film is never going to end. Like huh. we don't need to know this. We don't need to know that. You could have ended ten minutes ago, and we would have been happy, mm. right? Like you know, it's not quite as economical as it could be. But then at the same time, if it were any more economical, think about how much more kind of sketch-like those character characterizations well, would be. Not necessarily. I mean, I think a, I think a better screenwriter and a better director would have made things, particularly with this cast, you know, could have brought out real depth and complications without needing more time. You know, time is not necessarily the solution to drama. Well, that's what I mean. I meant, I meant with this director and this writer. Imagine what it would have been like if they oh, cut yes. even more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, important caveat there. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of catch it on TV. Uh, yeah, it's sort of all right. Yeah. Uh, we are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on... SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. And on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. The website is eavesdroppingatmovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Cheerio.